today we get to learn from Coach Matt King. Coach is the Executive Director of the Arizona Basketball Coaches Association. Coach King has also served in different capacities over the past 10 years for USA Basketball and is a coach at Snow Valley Basketball School. So Coach, thanks for being on. Man, I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking some time with me. And uh, it's always good to catch up with a Snow Valley guy. Exactly. So, um, you know, I worked there a couple years ago and you were like the, the commissioner of the league. And I, I admired your, your patience and communication, uh, organization, and just kind of just general demeanor with coaches and kids alike. And, and so that's kind of what drew me into to definitely understanding that, that you've got some insight, I think, that a, a lot of us coaches can kind of glean from. Um, just to first kind of talk, if you don't mind, we had Coach Showalter on last week, Greg White last week. Um, talk about Snow Valley and, and how it's, how it's uh, beneficial, not just for campers, but, but for coaches as well. Yeah, I mean, Snow Valley has been a, it's been a place for me that has been life-changing. The people that I've met through that place, uh, the kids that I've been able to interact with, and just the amount that I've learned from that community has drastically changed the trajectory of my career. And um, I can't thank Coach Showalter enough, Coach Locke, um, Coach Slava, um, you know, I, I think Jerry Slykhouse. I mean, all of those guys have been incredibly impactful. And I think one of the things that Snow Valley teaches us probably more than anything is the power of community and the power of a fraternity. And I think that is the place that really burdened me for coaches. Like I, 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 um, I think through my experience there, um, I think grew a passion for our profession, not just a passion for my team, not just a passion for um, my growth. Um, that place taught me how to think about something more than myself. And um, I, I'm so indebted to my experience at Snow Valley. There's some amazing people uh, that are a part of that place. Um, some people that would just be in the shadows. Uh, you would never know who they are, uh, but they're some of the best coaches in America. And uh, I'm so thankful for my time there. I've, I've learned so much from that community and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful for, for the ability to be a part of it. So it, it takes kind of a special coach to be willing to, to be there 6A to, to midnight, four yeah. or five nights a week, you know, and sometimes coaches are doing multiple weeks a month. Yeah. Uh, so you leave rather physically exhausted, but just mentally rejuvenated about, like you said, the sense of belonging and, yeah. and um, that there's other like-minded coaches out there. Yeah. The one thing, the one thing about that place that um, I hope everywhere in America, I wish everywhere in America was like, is uh, that it's, it's real level ground at Snow Valley. Everybody sleeps in a dorm, everybody sleeps, everybody wakes up at 6 a, or 5 a.m. or whatever. Everybody drinks coffee from a coffee pot. Nobody gets a special meal. Everybody eats in, in the cafeteria. Um, everybody's feet hurt. I mean, like, like it, and it doesn't matter if you're an NBA coach, it doesn't matter if you're, like when you are at Snow Valley, there's no titles anymore. Like, it's just your coach. And I think I wish society operated like that more often because we would start to really identify who does a really good job and who doesn't. And oftentimes we identify who does a good job based on what it says on their business card. And I think, often, I think, I think as a leader, we, um, we tend to ascribe value to a person's position. And, and oftentimes, uh, they're, just because they have the position does, does not mean they are, they are that valuable to the profession. Uh, as a leader, you, you show your value by, by the permission that the people that are following you give you, right? When, when they say, man, that's a dude that I want to follow. That's a guy I want to lead. That's somebody I'm all in on. Um, that, that, that's the marks the sign of a leader. And I think the cool thing about Snow Valley is um, you, you have to, you have to earn the permission of the kids. Yeah. Like you earn the right to lead them and it, and, and you earn the right of the other coaches for them to listen to you. You know, there's been a lot of NBA coaches that have come through that place or college coaches that have come through that place that by the end of the week, it was like, ah, I don't know. And there's been some high school guys that have come through that place that by the end of the week, people are going, man, I want to, I want to, I want to listen to that guy. I want to follow that guy. I want to, I want to hear what that guy has to say. Um, and I think 
for a lot of us that have been in high school, a lot of us that are coaching at these these levels that 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 you don't get a lot of notoriety at. We're just looking for a chance, man. All we need is level ground. Like, just give us level ground, and we're good. Like, we'll 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 take our shot at, on level ground. Yep. And we feel like we've always been playing on uneven ground. Yep. And uh, for four or five days, man, it gets level again. And, yep. and that's, uh, that's a pretty special thing to be a part of. Uh, and through Coach Showalter, um, you've also been able to assist USA Basketball in different roles and, and responsibilities over yeah. the years. Um, I love the story about how you got started with that. And, and, <laughs> and also just connecting, like, I will out-sacrifice you. If, I, if, if it's something that I believe in and if it's something that could progress either myself or my program or whatever it is, if this, this is how I do. So if you, don't, if you don't mind, kind of talk about how you got into it and then also the different responsibilities you've had. Yeah, especially guys out there, man. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I played at the University of New Mexico. I grew up in New Mexico. I lived in New Mexico. Um, I, and if anybody knows anything about New Mexico, it's like you know everything that goes on within the borders. And nobody knows anything else outside of the borders. <laughs> and, and so from there, I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have, um, you know, some guy calling on my behalf. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a great player. I mean, I was a walk-on at the University of New Mexico. I got to watch some cool games from the bench and I got <laughs> to be on the scout team. Like that's about the extent of my college career. And, um, and so from there, uh, the one thing I did, have was I had a passion to get better and I had a passion to grow and, and to learn. I've always had that. I've been curious. I'm a curious guy just generally. And so when I was a high school, I was a high school assistant and I told one of our other assistants, I said, man, we're going to find every clinic within five or six hours and we're just going to go to all of them. Like we're just going to hit them all up and we're going to go. And, and, um, and as I was listening to these guys, um, I think one of the things you start to think of is what are the things that I could do? that if nothing happens or all I get or knows, it doesn't change my life at all. Like it doesn't, it doesn't impact me at all, you know? Um, and one of those things is I went to all these clinics and I just said, hey, I'm gonna email every single guy that gives me their email address. And I'm not gonna email them because I want a job. I'm not gonna email them because I want them to give me something. I'm not gonna take, I'm gonna email them because I just wanna learn and I wanna get better and I wanna grow. And I just want them to help me because really the, remember like, Jeremy, my goal in life was to be the head basketball coach at LaCleva High School. That's it. That's all I wanted to be. I just wanted to be the head basketball coach at the school that I went to. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't need any of their help for that. Like, they, they, it wasn't going to matter if they call on my behalf for that. So um, I just wanted to get better. And so I emailed all these guys, didn't get a response from anybody except for Don Showalter. He's the only guy that responded. That's awesome. He responded, and I said, hey, would you mind if I came up and watched um, practice at USA Basketball. I just want, just want to learn. And he said, sure. Contact BJ Johnson, who was in charge at the time. I contacted BJ. BJ allowed me to come. I was up there. I can remember it in my head right now. I'm sitting on the little chair. I can remember on what court I'm on and what seat I'm sitting in right in my head right now. And I'm getting ready to like write my stuff down there like 30 minutes early because all I knew was to show up early. Yeah. I don't know anything else. Just show up early. <laughs> so I just showed up. I sat down. I'm ready to write this stuff down. And uh, BJ walks over to me and he goes, hey, man, um, he goes, I really appreciate you coming up to today. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I appreciate you inviting me. Like I, and he goes, uh, but we, uh, we had some guys not show up. Um, would you mind sweeping the floor? I'm like, dude, I swept the floor before every practice. I'm a high school coach. Like, I don't sweep the floor. So yeah. it was like, cool, yeah, I'm good. Like, if you'll let me watch these guys practice, I'll, I'll sweep the floor, whatever. So I sweep the floor for them or whatever. And I go back and get my book and I sit down. He comes back over and goes, uh, hey, uh, man, I'm really under it right now. BJ is one of the best human beings I've ever met in my entire life. And uh, he said, hey, would you have any, would you be willing to um, uh, fill up some water for these guys? Heck yeah, man, I'll fill up water, whatever. So I fill up water and these guys are coming and getting it. And I'm like writing notes between them coming and getting water and filling up water. And, and, um, and, then, and then a referee doesn't show up. And BJ says, hey, would you mind refing a game? It's like, dude, I've been to Snow – no, I, at that point, I hadn't been to Snow Valley. It was like, I ref camp games. Like, I'm the worst official ever. Yeah. So, like, hey, you better you better be happy with what you get here. Like, this yeah. thing going to be very good. But I'll run up and down the floor and pretend for a few minutes. So I'm refing these games. I'm, like, filling up water and sweeping floors. And I don't know what to do. Like, it is what it is. And uh, 
and then one of the coaches had to leave early and he came to me and said hey would you be interested in coaching one of these teams in a scrimmage and um I was like yeah I mean obviously like I'm not going to say no to that and I just remember during that time it was like man I'm never going to get a chance to do this again I'm from New Mexico these dudes ain't going to invite me back so like let's coach them up like this is the best players I'm ever going to get to coach in my entire life like let's coach these dudes up (laughs) and so uh you know, we start doing it, and those kids have a little bit of success. Uh, and I don't, I don't think I got to come back because like they won the games or whatever. Like, you know, I wasn't that special by any means. <laughs> really good dudes out there. But um, long story short, BJ was great, gracious enough to allow me to come back um, for many times uh, on the support staff, and then that led to something else, and that led to something else, and. And then, man, I just can't even imagine, I can't fathom what has happened over the last 10 years and the opportunities that have come um, just because, um, not because I was willing to sweep the floor and fill up water, but because BJ and Showalter were willing to give when they didn't have to. They did not have to let me come and watch that work out. Those guys did not have to allow me to volunteer. Mm-hmm. They did not have to do anything and they gave with no strings attached to a dude who couldn't give anything back to them. And I think I've always remembered that. And so for me, um, I always want to make sure now that I'm in a position where I can give, where I'm always giving to dudes with no strings attached Mm -hmm. and providing opportunities for guys. Cause there's a lot of guys that are way better than I am. A lot of guys that do their job so well, and all they need is a chance to sweep the floor. Yep. That's it. And once they get the chance to sweep the floor, it's over. It's done. They're going to kill it. Yep. But somebody's got to let these dudes have a chance to sweep the floor. And um, I fortunately got that chance. And you also worked with some junior NBA and kind of some partnership there with, with USA Basketball and, and kind of creating some guidelines for, yeah. for youth basketball. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's part of it, man. Like one of the things that I would encourage any coach out there um, with is this. I think there's three levels in our career. I think level, level number one is can you work hard? And I think a lot of dudes like you think you need opportunities. You think you deserve a shot. You think you should be this or that or whatever. But I heard this the other day that most people have uphill hopes and they have downhill habits. Most people have uphill hopes and they have downhill habits. I think John Maxwell said that. And um, it's true. Most, uh, there is nothing, it don't matter what you want to be or what you want to do, there is nothing worth going after that's not uphill. Nothing. It's, it's painful. It's hard. It's tough. You want to quit. It sucks. All that stuff is true of anything worthwhile. The only thing that will allow you to walk that path is if you have uphill habits. If you have habits that will get you through those tough days, that's the only thing that, you know, that'll get you there. And so your first level is, can you learn how to match your habits with your hopes? Can you match your habits with your hopes and learn how to work hard? But at some point you're going to hit a ceiling, no matter how much, how good your habits are, no matter what your morning routine looks like, no matter how many books you read, you're going to hit a ceiling. And the only way to break through that ceiling is to have a unique skill. The only way to break through that ceiling is to have a unique skill. So for me, my unique skill that broke me through that ceiling was having an understanding of the youth development model and how youth basketball can holistically be fit together from the time a kid walks in at four years old with a ball underneath his and he's super excited, he's never played a game in his life, to the elite kid and where they all fit and how you can serve each and every one of them. That was my skill that broke me through that. This is a dude that works hard and reads books and watches clinics. Like I had a unique skill. Like nobody else was talking about that when I was talking about that. And nobody was talking with the people that I had now been connected with about those things. And that gave me a platform to be able to go around USA Basketball Coaching Academies and talk about that unique lane that I had. Like that was something I could speak on and I could talk about and I could talk to. And when you have a unique skill, you become valuable. And when you become valuable, opportunities are naturally going to present themselves. Now, at some point, and I'm starting to learn this in my career now, your unique skill hits a ceiling. 
And when your unique skill hits a ceiling, the only way to break through that is your ability to work with people. Can, can you be aware of yourself? Can you, are you emotionally intelligent? Are you culturally intelligent? Can you walk into a boardroom and, and manage and own and operate in a boardroom? And can you walk into the gym and manage, own and operate in the gym? Because I really believe the people that will rule the world moving forward in the basketball space are the people in between those two spaces. The people that can walk into a boardroom and own it and the people that can walk in a gym and the people that are credible in both of those spaces. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where I want to live. Like that's what I really feel like my calling is. I don't know if I'll ever coach a team again, but I always want to be able to talk shop. Like I always want to be able to hoop. I always want to be able to walk into the gym with anybody in the gym and, and them genuinely feel like from the time I walked in, they're like, that's my dude. Like that's a dude I can hang out with. On the other hand, I work with a lot of suits now. And so I got to be able to walk into a room with a bunch of dudes that don't know if the ball is stuffed or pumped. Like right. they have no clue. And I got to be able to navigate that world. And that's all about people skill. Now, once you can deal with people and you're really skilled in dealing the world's, the world's open to you, yeah. but starts with, can your habits match your hopes? It moves to, do you have a unique skill? And then lastly, it lands with, how good are you with people? And, and I tell this to our staff here all the time and say, the people that are best with people, they have a unique opportunity and they have a unique ability to turn strangers into friends almost immediately. Yeah. Like you ever met that dude yeah. where he walks in the room, you haven't known him for five minutes, Right. And you're like, dude, this, I'll call this dude tomorrow. Right. Like him and I are tight. Like we're close. Right. If you look at like the best division one coaches, like five minutes into the conversation, you actually think you're their friend. Yeah, exactly. You ain't their friend. Like right. they don't know you. Right. You don't know them, whatever. Like, but they have a unique ability with people to turn strangers into friends. And unfortunately, many of those people, they do it in an inauthentic and non-genuine way. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm, I'm, really trying to learn and grow in is I want you, I want you to turn from a stranger to a friend and I want it to be genuine and authentic and real where yeah. you leave that relationship going like that dude's my friend and you're right. Yeah. You're right about it. Yeah. And I think when that happens, you got a chance to do anything you want. That's awesome. So talk about um, a little bit the, the, the layers of, of youth basketball and, and it yeah. kind of starts with introductory, foundational, advanced performance. And, and those are not necessarily age-based, but more maybe some skill-based, but also purpose-based and what you want to get out of the sport. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, the easiest Cliff Notes version of how to think about youth basketball holistically is um, our goal in youth basketball is to be clear and to be loud with anybody in the space as to where they fit. And so the easiest way to do that is to help people understand that there's one world with four buildings in it. The world of youth basketball is not the Nike EYBL exclusively. Now, the Nike UFBL is a part of youth basketball, but it is in its own little building. Right. The world of Capri Suns and orange slices at the end of the game, that's absolutely a part of youth basketball. Sure. But it's in another building. Those two buildings are interdependent upon each other. Whoever the Nike UFBL kid is, he got Capri Suns and orange slices at some point in his career. And he needed, those guys at the top needed that guy at the bottom to do his job. And every step along the way, all of those buildings are interdependent of each other. So you think about like the city of Minneapolis. To get around downtown Minneapolis, all of those buildings have walkways that go between each other. So you don't ever have to go outside in the winter. When you think about youth basketball, you should think about four buildings with walkways that go across them. They're separate. They have their own purpose. They have their own stuff. They're all in the world of youth basketball, but they're interdependent upon each other. They have to, all of them have to work with each other. 
And so the way that it works is, is very simple. You start with introductory basketball. And none of these buildings are based on age. They are all based on stage. Where are you at in your development? So introductory basketball can absolutely be 35-year-old men. Sure. And I'll prove that to you. Anytime you go to an LA fitness, you're going to watch an introductory basketball game. Yeah. It's a bunch of dudes who have no clue what they're doing yeah. and they're only playing for three reasons. And this is what the three reasons you play introductory basketball, fun, friends, and physical activity. The reason the LA fitness game is an introductory game is not because there's no athletes on the court. It's because they're only playing for fun, friends, and physical activity which means this, you will never see, it'd be weird to come to LA Fitness, the pickup game's at nine o'clock, and you have some dude who's about to play in it with a personal trainer at eight. <laughs> That's never, you're never gonna see that. Yeah. It's because they aren't playing for that reason. Doesn't mean they should stop playing basketball. Sure. It just means they, don't, they have a different reason why they play. Same thing with youth basketball. There's nothing that says kids should not play the game if they don't care about getting better. But as coaches, Many of us say, like, I can't believe a kid wouldn't want to get better. Well, right. when you go play at LA Fitness, you don't care about getting better. Right. You still get to play. He should right. still get to play, right? So a yeah. uh, sixth-grade kid that wants to play introductory basketball, we just have to understand, like, when we coach that kid, he didn't care about getting better. He just cared about having fun. And quite frankly, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of kids that are not being physically active, that are becoming obese, that are dealing with health issues, that are dealing with mental health issues, that are dealing with poor, academic, uh, poor academics, that are dealing with poor decisions in life just because they don't have a place to play. If I was somebody who really wanted to get into the basketball space and do basketball, I would do introductory basketball. But you have to teach your coaches about fun, friends, and physical activity. The second level is foundational basketball, and that's where a kid wants to explore the game. It's, it's, it's a place where kids, um, They've said, I want to compete. I just don't know if I want to compete in basketball. So I want to play basketball. I want to play football. I want to play baseball. I want to play all kinds of sports. I want to see you. I want to sample everything. And I just want to explore it. But I know I want to compete. I don't want to be good at something. I just don't know if it's basketball. So you see that like in your rec league. You see that in your YMCA, Boys and Girls Club, whatever the case may be. Third level is what we would call our advanced level. Advanced level is where I say, hey, I want to learn how to compete and I want to learn how to train. And so these are the kids, like, we, we always tell our advanced level kids, our advanced level parents, this is the level where you start to see your kid cry after a loss. Like, you might, it's like you might be a redneck if, like, you might be an advanced level player if you're, you start to cry after losses and we have to talk you down off the ledge. You might be an advanced level player when all your friends go to the water park and you have to get your shots up first. You might be an advanced level player. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. you want to compete, Looking you want to train, you want to yeah. work at it, right? Yeah. And then the fourth layer is a layer that 97% of the population shouldn't even pay attention to because you're never going to touch it. Mm -hmm. But it's the layer that we would call our performance level. These are kids that are going to play in college or they're going to play as a career. Their experience is very different from an advanced level kid and advanced level kids experience is different from a foundational level kid. But the thing that we want to do with the four levels is be able to say, there's a place for everybody. Mm -hmm. And at the exact same level, we want to be able to say with an event, but this one's not for you. Like, I think we, when we market things, we tend to believe that we need to um, tell make events that are for everyone. And, and that's the worst marketing you can possibly do. Cause if something's for everyone, it's for no one. Sure. When we create things, we need to create them for certain segments of the population. So I, I've argued that um, it's better to create an event for left-handed bald white dude, six, four and above in Phoenix, Arizona, than it is to create an event for everyone. Yeah. Because at least at the event for the left-handed bald dudes that are six, four in Phoenix, you're going to get the left-handed bald dudes that are six, four in Phoenix, <laughs> yep. right? Yep. There's some of those. You might get 15, 20 of those. If you run something for everyone, you might get somebody for the first one, but your product's not going to be very good. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that the four levels really do is they allow us to speak to our audience. They allow us to promote something to our audience. They allow us to train the coaches in that space. 
they allow us to really hone in on what is needed at this stage of the game. So that, that is youth basketball in America in a nutshell. I think everything falls into one of those four buildings. The question is how are we developing each of those four buildings? Because everybody, everybody probably listening to this right now, y'all wanna go into the fourth building. Right. And the fourth building is really crowded. Yeah. Nobody pays and it's incredibly hard to get into. Yeah. But all these other buildings, they need tons and tons of people. Yeah. And so you're, you're saying, man, I can't get a job in basketball. Just change buildings. There's plenty of jobs in the other building. It's just a matter of, can you put down like whatever, can you reprioritize what you're doing to realize that like, dude, there's thousands and thousands of kids that need your help. They're just in the building next door. Yeah. And that's what an easy way of, of framing kind of how it fits within everything. Um, so, and this might be a little bit loaded, but there's such, there's such a financial incentive. There's so many people being pulled different ways and trying to be convinced that they might be in that performance building or if they just do this or, or continue to play in all these leagues and tournaments and with this trainer versus this, well, you know, it, it, it can open wide up. So what, let me, let me ask you this, Jeremy, and I don't mean to punch back on that, but yep. what's, what's the financial incentive? What do you mean by the financial incentive in the fourth building? So the financial incentive would be like uh, a parent who feels like they've got to have their kid uh, playing in all these tournaments because yeah. it's marketed like this is going to help them get better. And if they continue to do this, they're going to, con- they're going to continue to improve to a point yeah. where maybe they can play college for free or, or yeah. even beyond. Yeah, uh, no, it's a good, it's a really good point. And you're right. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I talk about this at some of the USA basketball clinics, like we have, we have been selling a pile of goods for a long time Yeah, and um, we've been buying it which is even worse. Right. And uh, we have sold elite, 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 elite. And, um, and what ends up happening is you get this really cool package that's wrapped really, really nicely. And then they tell you, hey man, like just keep the package, but you can't open it up. Like just open it up after you graduate from high school. And, and a thousand people have the package. And 997 people open the package after it's after after high school, and it, they realize it's a pile of crap in the package, and and they've been sold a bag of goods. Mm-hmm. For only for the top one percent does that package have something in it right. that 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 was promised to them. And and one of the challenges that I think we have is we need to repurpose what we're selling. We are not selling elite. If everybody could be elite, it wouldn't be elite anymore. Sure. We got to sell development. And when we sell development, that is a package that might not look like the wrappings is nice, but it always delivers. Yep. That package always delivers. Doesn't matter if your kid makes it or not. Doesn't matter if they're going to make it somewhere. They're going to make it in something. They're going to make it in a thing that they are going to be good at. And it doesn't have to be basketball. Right. I think that's the thing is like, Every parent just wants the best for their kid, right? Well, that package always delivers. The development package always delivers. It just doesn't glitter, right? And a buddy of mine always says, what glitters is not always gold. And and I, I think that is very, very true for the youth basketball community. So how do you identify or what are some things that you could look for to move somebody from the advance to the performance? Uh, what has God given you yeah. is first and foremost. I think um, like if you're 6'10 or you're 6'11 and you're freakishly athletic and there's something that says, whoa, like, wow. Um, like, okay, you might be a, I'm going to tell you this, man. Like I walk into the gym and watch those kids at USA Basketball. Um, a lot of great kids, man. A lot of hard workers, a lot of good, but, but like there's a bunch of freaks. Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of dudes that like, yeah. They look older than I do and yeah. they're like 14 years old and they're, I mean, like God has just given them something that is just a little. And I think one of the things that, that I heard um, along the way, a guy, a guy told me one time, he said, um, when we're looking for elite players, um, we have to be wowed twice when we watch them. There has to be, there has to be not like, yeah, he's good at that. Or like, Oh, okay. Like, cool. But like, Whoa. Like, whoa, whoa, 
Yeah. They got to do that twice okay. for a kid to be an elite kid. And so what I would say is like, when you walk into the gym, what does your son do that you just go, oh my gosh, that's different. Yeah. Like I ain't seen anybody doing that. Right. Like, and, and sometimes it's walking in the gym and looking at, you know, you got a six, eight kid and everybody's five ten. Whoa. Yeah. Like kids just look different. Right. And then if they have another wow, like that's a six, eight kid that can jump. That's a six, eight kid that can shoot it. That's a six, eight kid that's skilled. Okay. Now, now we're looking at a potential performance kid. Mm-hmm. If you can't, if you have no, if there's no wows, that doesn't mean you're not a bad, that doesn't mean you're a bad basketball player. There's right. a lot of really good basketball players that they're just not six, eight with arms down to their ankles. Right. Like, yeah. I, I mean, as far as moving a kid from an advanced level to a performance level, um, I mean, there's a lot of that. Now, if you're on the borderline, I would say there are a couple of separators. Um, one of the separators would be um, your competitive edge. Like, how competitive are you? Do you? Does that matter to you? Like, does winning matter? And I, and I think we're in a generation right now where too many kids are super consumed with how many likes or how many followers or how many people are paying attention to them um, on social media. And um, I just... I don't know that that translates. Um, now it translates brand wise for them personally, but like they got to realize that all that's well and good. But if, if you don't hoop, like if you don't produce, like none of that other stuff you're doing on the side matters. Right. So you have to have that competitive edge. And then I think the, the, the second thing is the higher you get up in the game, the more the game becomes about decision-making. You know, when, when, when you're walking to, when you walk into a gym with, and it's all elite people, everybody's an athlete, everybody's skilled. And what differentiates those kids, what differentiates those guys is who can make great decisions. And um, that's a wow in those gyms is are great decision makers. So I would, I would say, um, uh, and, and, and helping kids understand that usually the decisions you make off the court impact the decisions you make on the court. And yeah. Decision makers, like you don't turn decision making on and off. Right. You're either a good decision maker or you're not. Yeah. And um, and so I would say, I would say decision making, and and I would say competitive edge. And then talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about you're the director of basketball now with kind of a club that's that's multi-sport and multifaceted in in different ways. And so what does that look like? Yeah, we have uh, we have about nine thousand kids that come through here. Wow. For- of a year, um, multiple sports, um, and uh, I think for little kids um, that are playing in the introductory and foundational level, um, uh, I think the multi-sport club model is the way to go, just because they can play on the same team and multiple sports throughout the year and stick within the same culture, like the same philosophy and culture. Um, so I'm all in on that. I think it's a, a really good portion of an athlete development model, um, and uh yeah, I mean, we have a lot of kids, but I, you know, I, I would say like, um, if I was a high school coach out there, I would determine a good job and a bad job uh, anymore based on um, a couple things. Uh, do I like the principal I'm going to work for? Do I believe the athletic director will go to bat for me? And will they let me uh, own my youth program? If those three things are in place, I don't care what your facilities look like. I don't care what your budget looks like. I don't care. I don't care any of that. You can build a good program. If you have an athletic director or principal you believe in and believes in you, an athletic director that'll go to bat for you, especially with parents, and you can own your youth program, that's what a good job is in high school. I think too many guys get caught up in good jobs in high school uh, based on what they heard a college coach say a good job was. And a lot of times college coaches are saying good jobs are good jobs because they got to recruit kids to go there. Mm-hmm. High school, like, that's like, that's not, that's not necessarily your deal. Um, I, I principal AD youth program. Those would be the three things. So if this is a good model that, that, that you fully endorse, um, that's, that's kind of multi-sport and we see it a little bit with the YMCA, but, um, maybe, maybe you just kind of tend to get the recreational type kids and you, you, the, the level of play isn't maybe what, you know, what could be for some of the other 
type of organizations that particularly that are focused with just one sport. Yeah. So um, why, why isn't this in place in other places? I have no idea. I think it's crazy that it's not. I think a lot of the reason why is because of real estate. It's the ability to have fields and courts and all that stuff. But I have no reason. I'm, it could be built anyone. Um, yeah. But I, I will tell you this, that uh, there are um, the high, high, high prominent um, AAU club teams that have reached out to me to see how they can build down from right. where they're at. Um, and, and, and all it is, man, is you're, it's community building. It's building a city. So like you might look at whatever program you have and you might be able to say, which of the four buildings do I already have built or is already constructed? Mm -hmm. Well, what would it take for me to build another one of the buildings? Your buildings don't all have to be high rises. You might have one high rise and that's your high school program. And then you might have um, a, a shed that is your foundational program and you might have another shed that's your introductory program and those might be seen as two camps in the summer one for foundational kids who want to compete a little bit one for introductory kids that want to you know that you want to have fun and come in the gym and wear sweatpants and sketchers and run around and throw line drives at the basket you might have or you might say hey i just want one building and I just want an, an advanced building. That's all I want. Well, it just allows you to have focus. But if you say, hey, I want, in my program, I want four buildings. I want to build all four buildings. Why, why couldn't you do that? You could absolutely do that. You just got to recruit coaches for those buildings. You got to put programs in place that are for those buildings. There are, almost every one of them has a business model that is profitable, except for the performance level. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes the only building that people build is the performance level. And so they can't fund it. It's a jacked up business model. And all they had to do was build a building beside it. And the building beside it would have funded that building. Sure. But, but they, they don't. So. Yeah. And so you were a high school coach for what, several years prior to shifting out of it. And then I I just found it really interesting, maybe just from a personal level, because I kind of found myself on that same type of path and, and maybe it's maturation or just transforming and coaching style. But uh, you alluded to, um, you know, sometimes maybe letting emotions get the best of you or just kind of walking away from practices or games, um, feeling like maybe this isn't how I should be doing. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so true. Uh, I had a lot of that. I didn't have a little bit of that. I had a lot of that. Um, Jeremy, I, I coached kids for many of my years as a high school coach, just like I was coached. Yeah. And, um, and it was from an unhealthy place. And, um, if there's anything that I regret in my journey, um, the one thing I regret is at times how I talk to kids. Um, I hate that. Um, the more I, the more I've matured, the more I've grown up, the more I realize that, um, uh, I just wouldn't do it that way. Yeah. I'm not dogging on anybody that does. I'm not saying yeah. like, and I'm not trying to like, hear me out. I'm not trying to be soft. I'm not trying to say like, Hey, this is all kicks and giggles. And I just want to put my arm around people. And I'm just saying this, I think I can be tough. I think I can hold kids accountable. I think I can, um, uh, lead well and, um, still be the most mature person in the room. Mm-hmm. And for much of my, coaching career um my kids were more mature than i was yeah they were they were more poised than i was they were um uh they were they 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 were less consumed by the uncontrollables than i was and um and and so i would say the reason i share this and i'm an open book about it is because i think there's a lot of guys um in our profession that walk out of the gym every day and go that's not the dude who i want to be yeah. It's not the dude who I want to be. That's not why I got into this. That's yeah. not why I want to do this. And then you go back in the next day and you walk out after and go, that's not the dude I want to be. That's yeah. not the dude I want to be. And um, so I, I share all that to say, man, there's hope. Like from a recovering psychomaniac <laughs> to you, I would say there's hope. And yeah. there's a different way. There's a better way. And um, and, and I'll give you a couple strategic ways to fight that 
Number one, lead with smiles and not with friends. And, and one of the things I would challenge you to do is uh, you get to go into the gym every day. Uh, there's no reason why you should walk in. No matter what's going on, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to walk into the gym with a smile on your face. Yeah. And the countenance that you bring into the gym, the presence that you bring into the gym will be contagious. One way or the other, it's going to be contagious. Um, and, and like I said, that, that doesn't make anybody soft. Like you'd be a, you'd be a tough dude that's all business and walking to the gym, like with a positive vibe, like everybody loves positive vibes. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a junkyard dog, man, you like positive vibes. And so you can, you can set the tone for that every day. The second thing is, is, um, find ways to criticize people, um, privately and praise them publicly. Um, find ways to do that. I think, I think there, nobody, I don't care who you are, man. Nobody likes, nobody likes to get beaten at in front of everybody else. Yeah. I, I don't care how accountable you are. I don't care how coachable you are. Most of the times that coaches berate a kid in front of everybody else, it ain't for the kid. It's for them. No question. It's for them. hundred percent. And, and that's exactly how I was. I was letting it loose on a dude. So I felt better about like, I'm coaching him up or I'm this. that's all BS, man. That's BS. I don't care what, I, I just don't believe that. Like uh, you're doing it for you. There is nothing you are doing at that moment that that kid is like, this is helpful. This is breathing life into me. Like, I don't care. I don't care if you say like, he needs that. Like there's different ways to do that. Um, than that way. That doesn't mean you're not stern. That doesn't mean you're not forceful. That doesn't mean we're not serious. That doesn't mean we don't have a commitment to excellence. All of that stuff can still be in place and you can still be a mature adult. Because yep. I guarantee you, if you were running a Fortune 500 company and you had 30 adults with you, you wouldn't talk to them like that. Right. Yeah. You just wouldn't talk to them like that. And that's the way I think so, about it too. And what other professional capacity would you be able to communicate in the way that you're doing you know, you would. from the court? You wouldn't. And, and, and I promise you, if their dad was sitting on the bleachers, you probably wouldn't either. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I think I had to think about that um, in my life. And, I, and hear me out, man. I'm like, I want everybody to understand this. Like, I'm not calling anybody. I'm calling myself out. Like, right. This right. was who I was. This is, and, and I'll tell you this, I would never go back and coach a team until I felt like I could control that. And yeah. part of the reason I couldn't control that at times in my coaching career um, is because I was so competitive. Right. Like, I was just, when I, that switch flip, like I was just a different dude. Yep. And, um, and so like, uh, my last two years, I saw a lot of growth in my life, um, from that. Um, but that's, like I said, like that third level of your career, yep. it is a hundred percent about how you interact with people, how yep. you talk to people. And I've seen people, I mean, that are, they're straight, like, they're in you, they're intense, they're whatever. And they have a knack for making people understand that you're seen, you're known, yep. and you belong, you care, you're cared for. Uh, if you can't do that as a leader, man, I'm just going to tell you, you ain't going to have many people following. Yep, no question. Uh, talk a little bit about your role with the Arizona Basketball Coaches Association. And you basically, as the executive director, you started it from zero, right? I mean, it kind of just dissolved and then you guys kind of resurrected it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. You know, I, th I think, you know, I'm the executive director of it, but and Todd Fazio, Mark Wood, we have some guys on our team here that at Matt Gordon who have just been unbelievable guys, a uh, great team to work with. And it'd be crazy for me to take credit for, for, for much of that. They've been awesome. But, um, man, what we've seen happen over the last three or four years here in Arizona has just it's been special. I mean, we have 1,100 um, members now in the association wow. or so. Um, we, um, we run probably one of the biggest scholastic team camps in the country in section seven in the summer. And, um, um, I think really what it's boiled down to is, uh, we didn't start this for any other reason than just to help coaches. Like we're coaches. Yeah. We want to help coaches. We want to yeah. solve coaches problems yeah. and, um, we want to make their job better. So one of the things we say all the time, you see it on our website is, um, if you go to our website, one of the only pieces of like uh, writing on there it says your job's tough enough our job's to make it better and that's that's what we want to do every morning i can live with myself man if i wake up every morning i'm making a coach's job better yep 
Like if I'm making his job better, I can live with that. Now, if I wake ever, if I wake up and I ever like want to take from you, if I ever want to feel like um, you owe me something, or if I like, I don't know if I can sleep with that, but I know how tough your job is. I know how hard it is to walk in day out and the things that you had to deal with on your like $2,000 stipend. Like I get that. My job every, every morning, my passion every morning, my mission every morning is to make your job better. That's it. That's all I want to do. And, and if I can do that for the next 25 years, I'm cool with it. I'm cool yeah. with it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, it's, it's so similar to what we're starting with this. You know, it's like sometimes you feel like you get pushed into roles and then sometimes you have an opportunity to get pulled into something that, that yeah. you want to do yeah. and, and to just be able to, for us a little more, it's about providing a platform for coaches. Like sure. we know you do a good job. We want to be able to highlight it. Like we want to be able to bring attention to yeah. the work that you do. And, and so often we only hear about the negative things from coaches <laughs> around the state, you know, yeah. to be able to help them. So I'm curious, is there a way that we can help bring a platform to, to coaches in Arizona? I mean, whether it's, um, you know, just through social media or um, if, if you've got ideas of coaches out there that, that do kind of a good job, I'd love to kind of engage in that type of thing with, with Feel for the Game. Yeah, I mean, there's some tremendous coaches here in Arizona. We'd be more than willing to give you um, some information on some guys that, that I think would be awesome and you, you would really benefit your listeners for sure. Yeah. Um, we, we'd be more than willing to, to do that. I, I think the, the easiest way we can all help each other right now is to raise awareness um, that um, the game needs to, um, that there's a, bet, there's a different way, especially at the youth level, to do what we're doing. And what we say here, in, like our vision, our mission, our mission here at the ABCA is we want to put a great coach with every kid in every gym in the state of Arizona. Because we believe when uh, above and beyond a great tournament or a great league or a great whatever, great coaches change lives. Great coaches change lives. And we believe that every kid needs a great coach because when a kid get a good coach, um, the, not only are they, they gonna be impacted, the community's gonna be impacted. And if we can keep that coach in that community for 10 years, 15 years, everything changes in that community. If you have a good coach who sticks in a community for a long time, that community changes. It changes. And so our, we need to raise awareness in a profession where more good dudes are leaving than yeah. staying. Yeah. We need to do everything in our power, everything in our power to create an environment, not like talk them off the ledge, not provide another stupid program, not ask them to join another membership, yeah. but we need to do serious things that create an environment where these guys go, you know what, this is a good career. I can sell my wife on this. This yeah. is actually something worthwhile. And so yeah. a couple of things that we talk about here in the ABCA all the time are, number one, how do we give more ammunition to the high school coach in the, in the recruiting process? I think, I think we have, like, we have, had the high school coach that's why we invest so much money in section seven that's why we invest so much in like the Paul west which we're a part of we invest in those events because they give ammunition to the high school coach in the community with their players to say hey this is a good option too yeah like, it used to be that for 50 years straight high school team was the only option you had in the winter yep. that ain't the case anymore Right. There's other options now. Yep. And so there has to be something in the pocket of the high school coach that he can go to his best player, his ninth player, or whatever, and say, like, hey, man, it's going to be in your best interest to stay here. You know, and, and, and so we, we want to do that. Number, number two, we have to demystify um, or de-taboo um, the, the issue of money with high school coaches. We have been, we have been brainwashed as high school coaches to believe that um, making a living and impacting kids are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you make a living and you, or impact kids, like you either make a living or you impact kids. Right. And that's totally not true. Like we don't say that to the podiatrist, like the pediatric surgeon who's right. making $600,000 a year. And we don't walk into his office and go, I guess you don't care about kids. Right. Because because you're making money like he can care about kids and make a really, really good living. Yeah. Nobody in high school basketball 
is trying to decide whether they want to go to Fiji or the Bahamas this summer. Right. They're just trying to pay their bills. Yeah. And like, we wonder why good coaches leave because it's hard to survive. Yeah. And so one of the things that we have to do is we have to create programs that allow them to become entrepreneurial. And so part of a big part of the reason why we talk about youth programs so much is because we believe the high school coach should own his own youth program. And we believe the high school coach should learn how to make a second income out of it. And that's not like some funky, like get rich quick scheme. That, that's like hard work. It's right. like a real business. It's right. like you have to pay taxes and you have to file for an LLC and you have to do it right. But like, dude, if you're going to go get a second job anyways, why wouldn't it be working with the young kids in your community? Yep. Like, I, don't, I hate seeing high school coaches like getting a second job at Home Depot. Like, why wouldn't you be in the gym working with your kids and utilize, that's a value. That's a value to their kids. And, and I hate to say this, man, but if they're not doing with you, they're doing with somebody else. Yep. And so we would, we, we are fortunate enough to be in a state where guys can do that, but we would fight with any, any, any state that not giving your high school coaches the opportunity to do that. If you don't compensation, if you don't compensate them like a real professional because the high school the high school coach especially uh high school coach in the community he he can do something that nobody else in the community can do what other profession has a unique skill like the high school coach has but is as undercompensated for it yeah but these dudes have been brainwashed to believe like oh that's just the way it is and that like let's teach you how to let's teach you how to make a second income not so you're driving a Mercedes, but so that your kid can go to college and right. your daughter can get married and you yeah. can pay your light bill. Right. Like that's crazy to me that anybody would question a high school coach on a desire to start a 529 plan for his daughter to go to college. Right. Right. That's crazy. It's just it's just <laughs> crazy to me. So we're not we're gonna go, we want to demystify that so that high school coaches can start talking about money in a healthy way, as yeah. opposed to trying to do stuff under the table or trying to do stuff from, you know, in other ways that they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be doing it. So those are two ways that, that we do stuff here in the ABCA. Um, and we feel like are really like substantive ways to help coaches. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, coach, that's all I have for you. This has been absolutely outstanding. So I well, really I appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. And I'll tell you this coach, the last thing I'll say is, uh, we just appreciate what you're doing for, for coaches. We appreciate the platform you're providing them. Um, uh, and, and, uh, and it's going to be exciting to see where it goes. Well, I appreciate it. Take care, coach. All right. See you in touch. Yep.